0: This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I
1: don't have to
2: show you how to vices.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: I have some of the best listeners in talk radio, some of the most creative thinkers Someone sent this to me. I loved it so much I had to put it up on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Black people who were never slaves are fighting white people who were never Nazis over a Confederate statue erected by Democrats because Democrats can't stand their own history anymore and somehow it's Trump's fault. Interesting. Absolutely brilliant. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show, folks. 888-933-933-888-900-3393. That's the telephone number you want to reach out and say hi. Trump, after this this great speech, I got to say it was a great speech about foreign policy, Afghanistan and Southeast Asia last night, uh, we will be heading to Phoenix tonight, where the Democrat mayor is taking full advantage of his 15 minutes <laughs> and telling the president not to show up, but Whatever. Uh, We are going to continue to push back on this narrative that somehow Antifa's racism and Black Lives Matter's racism is somehow better than the KKK's or the white supremacists' uh, racism. Uh, uh, Contrary to what Mitt Romney and Senator John McCain have to say, that we regard them as the same style of hate. Hate is hate. Want to catch up with the show? TheBlaze.com slash radio. Hear us live. The Blaze Radio smartphone app. iHeartRadio app. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher for on-demand listening. Want to get in touch with us on social media? First, Twitter. At chris Salcedo, tx At C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show. Or on TheBlaze.com. The Channels section. Let's get out to the flip around. It's always fun when uh, my buddy Ben Ferguson gets on and talks with his so-called Republican advisor or strategist uh, and his name just Slips my mind. Uh, here, here, they are right now on CNN.
2: Actually, say I listen to my generals. I learned something from them. I've decided to go in a different direction. When you sit behind the Oval Office, things do change. The intelligence change. What people tell you changes your mindset. And and all I'm saying is. I understand you don't like the president. I understand you're ripping on him, but but let's not make up a fake story here. The majority of conservatives are behind going after ISIS and Al Qaeda. They were reminded about how how deadly they are just last week in Spain, and and to, to somehow say that a bunch of people are revolting on the president. Well, just, just to catch you up for, to catch up for one second,
1: Ben, it is okay.
2: Just to catch up for one second.
0: his base, Breitbart. Uh, we know Steve Bannon was not for this. Of course, he's no longer in the base. White House. It's,
2: Breitbart is not his base. I mean, the average person that calls into my show, this is a conservative talk show, overwhelmingly, probably 10 to 1, were in favor of the president. And this is before he'd announced it, when I said, if the president says we're going to go into Afghanistan, and if he says we're going to maybe have to use more troops, would you support him in that to attack ISIS and Al Qaeda? Overwhelmingly, Americans that voted for the president and some that didn't vote for him said they would support him in this because they understand the real threat to this country from ISIS. listen uh, Afghanistan is not exactly a hotbed of Isis and Al not yet Rick Wilson is this
3: douchebags name Rick Wilson a so-called Republican strategist uh, now now remember and we've got this in the sound bites coming up later on folks uh Iraq wasn't a hotbed for Isis either you idiot until President Obama irresponsibly took us out of there then all of a sudden the power vacuum was was filled by Isis. Barack Obama gave birth to Isis Rick Wilson, you moron, you complete and utter idiot. If the United States leaves a vacuum without a solid government behind, guess what? The terrorists are going to fill it. It isn't rocket scientists, a uh, science rather. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. Because we have very recent history as our guide. Good grief. Was this guy who had his head up his knows for the last what five six years a a so-called republican strategist that doesn't understand what has happened the rise of isis how radical islamic fundamentalist terrorist groups had a resurgence a renaissance under barack obama sitting back and doing nothing are you kidding me good grief uh, let's get over to Fox.
2: To see tonight um, is a very large protest effort. Um, this rally comes on the heels of his very controversial comments on Charlottesville. You saw the president use his televised remarks yesterday to really project this message of unity Ugh. once again. Uh, we'll see whether he's able to sustain that on the rally stage today. And-
3: the Associated Press, Jill Colvin on with um, Fox News, Shepard Smith. Yes, his controversial comments. What were those controversial comments again? Oh, that's right. Uh, Mr. Trump condemned all hate, all bigotry, all racism.
1: You remember? We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry and violence on many sides, on many sides. The racists in Black Lives Matter
3: are not better than the racists in the KKK the fascists in antifa are not better than the anarchists in the nazi the the neo-nazi groups they're all the same hate folks it's all the same hate they may hate different things but it's all born out of ignorance it's all born out of stupidity and it seems to be on clear display you know what I think I, with the exception of me and a couple of other talk show hosts out there, I really think it is us against the entire media establishment. John McCain, the likes of John McCain and Mitt Romney and universally all the Democrats. And shame on John McCain and Mitt Romney for saying that certain hate is okay so they can take a a gratuitous swipe at Donald Trump. Shame on them. Let's get over to MSNBS.
4: I am foreign donors. So, I mean, nation building continues. It's impossible to stop without putting everything out.
5: Jessica, good to talk to you. Thank you for being with us. Jessica Donati covered Afghanistan for the Wall Street Journal.
3: Well, that's interesting. Fox is covering the speech in Phoenix tonight and all the politics and and, and giving plenty of voice to the leftists who say that really this appearance is about uh, Donald Trump's unacceptable comments on Charlottesville. And MSNBS is actually focusing on Afghanistan. Now they're probably trashing the Trump policies, which are, if I could encapsulate what Donald Trump said last night, folks, in his speech, it was, hey, we saw all the screw-ups that Donald, or that uh, Barack Obama made, and Donald Trump is going to reverse those. We're not going to uh, irresponsibly pull out of Afghanistan the way Barack Obama irresponsibly pulled out of Iraq. And we're not going to give safe haven to terrorists. And we've learned our lesson. Uh, There was also another doctrine that came out last night. We're going over there to kill terrorists. We're not going over there to nation build. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But that was the message. And if it ends up being true that the United States ends up being just a nimble, quick force that is designed wherever you guys remember the, the movie Wyatt Earp, not Wyatt Earp, but tombstone, which was, which featured Wyatt Earp tombstone with a uh, Val Kilmer uh, in it and uh, Kurt Russell and Kurt Russell. I'll see if I can find that sound bite in the break. Kurt Russell uh, basically put this gang called the Cowboys on notice. I see, a person wearing a red scarf, i kill the man wearing it. If that's if the US military says we find a radicalized islamic fundamentalist terrorist, uh we we kill him. That's our job. That's why we're over there to kill terrorists. If the United States turns into that over there in the Middle East, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Uh before We go to break. I I wanted to play a phone call that I took uh, just after the show yesterday. Uh, Apparently, Antifa wanted to have its say. And they called up the program asking me a question. And after the the question, I thought I'd answer. But, well, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, they don't want to have a discussion, folks. They just want to shout you down. Steve, welcome to Chris Salcedo Show. What say you?
1: Hello? Yes, sir. I want to know why Trump is spending $68 million going to his golf courses, 55 different trips.
3: So he asked me a question, right? So so I thought I'd answer. Here's the question again.
1: I want to know why Trump is spending
4: $68 million going to his golf courses, 55 different trips.
3: Well, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that dollar from? Shut up. I'm sorry. What did you say, sir? Shut up. I'm sorry, what did you say, sir? I'm yeah. sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Could you say that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> the tolerance of the American left on full display, ladies and gentlemen. Back in a minute.
6: Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter
3: at Chris Salcedo TX.
6: Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Show. conservative talk radio with
3: spice triple eight nine hundred 88-900-3393. eight eight nine zero zero three three nine three let's get out of the phones to why planes we go rich welcome to chris alcedo show
5: hey chris how are we doing
3: doing well sir how are you hi
5: i i i still can't get over a, 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 and and the charlottesville thing it appears that in politics the fear of being called a racist will lead politicians to actually deny facts. Uh, For instance, in his press conference, the Charlottesville police chief said that the violence started when someone threw, and this would be someone from the left, objects into the protesting crowd. So it, it appears by his own word that the liberals started this engagement. And if they started the engagement, well then, can't we say that they are partially responsible for the, the death of that young girl and the, the um, you know, uh, injuries that took place? And this leads, to, this leads to another hypocrisy. They say they protest, the left is protesting hate okay, where are all the protesters against Islamic fundamental extremist terrorism, okay? I don't see them, okay? I don't see them protesting that hate, and you know that they are a hateful group. And what's really interesting is Obama and the left have had this policy with radical Islamist terrorism, the, the policy of don't poke the bear, you know, close Guantanamo, don't get them upset, don't use the term Islamic extremist, don't get them upset. But it seems like with these alleged... Well,
3: wait a minute, before you go beyond that, yeah. how'd that all work out over the last eight years?
5: Well, well here's... <laughs> exactly. Well, the, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm showing the double standard. I mean if you, you look up the word double standard or hypocrite, and, it, and, and it'll and it have the definition of a liberal next to it, okay? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, with regard to... Or clueless, to
3: because, I mean, and let's answer the question. How that all worked out is that President Obama, and many say it's because of his naivete, that he was trying to buy off the radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. If we just show them that we love them, then, then they'll stop murdering our children and stop bombing our, our cafes and running our citizens over. That didn't work out so well. As a matter of fact, all Barack obama succeeded in doing is giving them safe haven so they could so they could expand their caliphate
5: sure so the point i'm making is that they they adopt the don't poke the bear policy with the islamic extremists but they go completely the opposite with the other alleged terrorists white supremacist terrorists and they they go ahead and poke the bear you you know what i'm
0: saying
3: well i I don't know that Trying to take out an enemy before the enemy takes out you is poking the bear. I, d- I do say it, uh, that and, and the Trump administration has decided, look, uh, like like past administrations have decided, we're going to need to keep a long term presence inside of Afghanistan, the way we've done in Korea, the way we've done in Japan, the way we've done in Europe, the way we've done all over the globe to be because we are uniquely responsible and poised to do so. And and Afghanistan may be it. Well, I wasn't
5: referring to Afghanistan. What I was referring to is their non-antagonistic approach towards one group. This is the left, you know, the the Islamic terrorism. And their completely opposite antagonistic approach towards, you know, people who uh, are marching to keep the statues, who they assume are all uh, neo-Nazis. That's the point I make. with, With regard to Afghanistan, Chris, you know, Donald Trump, he all on the campaign, you know, he took an isolationist. And I kind of agreed with that. It seems like he's going to he's now changed his position. He's going to stay in Afghanistan. And, you know, Chris, I, I really think that the only way you're going to you've got to be all in or all out. And if you're going to be all in, you know, you've got to you've got to establish your own government there and you've got to run the show. But to, to, to trust them. To uh, police themselves.
3: Uh, Well, no, I hear what I hear your. I I understand your skepticism, and the 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 problem is, is that the Afghan forces are nowhere near ready to to defend against ISIS, uh, Barack Obama's kids, uh, Al Qaeda, and other other organized terrorist groups, Taliban, who will be who are already streaming in there. So until they get propped up. We're going to have to be a permanent fixture. That's just, it's just the way it is. Else they have a terrorist haven uh, uh, land from which to strike. And I don't think that's acceptable. And once Trump, and, and I, you got to give Trump some credit here. Because, and, and you tell me if, if I'm wrong on this. Uh, he gets in there and he says, look, I, I campaigned on this. But once I got behind the desk and I realized and I got all the intelligence, boy, was I wrong. And there won't be anybody who has ever held that office, who said, oh, it's exactly what I thought it was. You know what I mean? Oh,
5: I'm sure there were some. Some. I'm sure there were a lot of revelations of the things oh, that he said yeah. he would do that, that he can't do, okay? But he's going to have to take a much different approach than, I mean, haven't we tried everything from uh, President Bush to President Obama, you know, and we're still losing in afghanistan so unless he comes up with something and like i said um you talk about training their forces i don't think they want to be trained i don't think they have the impetus to go and and take control of their own country i think that we have to do it for them i think we have to send you know we have to establish a government for them we have to run it we have to run all their infrastructure and institutions
3: well i I don't know about that I, i look look i i what, what i'm gonna i think we're gonna hold trump to this are we not uh, we're gonna say you said we're over there to kill terrorists we're not there to nation build so we will keep up our facilities we'll keep up our bases we'll make sure that our supply lines are are open so that we can do the job which is in this strategically speaking is a forward base to to launch attacks from now Will us being there have a... Oh, I don't know. Uh, a positive economic benefit for the economy of Afghanistan? I bet you it will. But I don't think we're going to be digging up sewer lines and and building buildings and doing all that kind of stuff unless it's on our own territory. I think the vast majority of the resources will be to maintain... Hey, we're, we're, we're maintaining security so the Afghanis can do all the rest. That's kind of huge, wouldn't you think? If
5: If he... And it could it could be different if he changes the rules of engagement and if they were as hamstringing as, you know, some people claim they were. You know what I'm saying, Chris?
3: Oh, no, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Obama tied uh, both hands and one leg behind our our fighting men and women's back and then told them to go fight. Uh, Donald Trump has taken off those shackles.
5: The so,
3: we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, you, you know what? I think that is that is probably the, the, the greatest point of wisdom today. We will see. It's a good start. I like where he's going with it, but we will see. Later on uh, next hour, we'll talk to you, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer about all of this. We're going to start boiling down Trump's speech and actual reaction to this because typical Trump opposers actually came out in favor of this. I'm thinking of Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio. It's coming up.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo.
3: All right, so let's start breaking this down. Before I before I get into into Trump, I have I, I know I started this hour no matter how much I want to get beyond this. This is this is all everything everybody's talking about because the press refuses to let it go. And 62% of the nation who are fed up with the basket of biased press, who are fed up with the American left, who are being told that we must strip our country of historical landmarks and historical statues because the left is butthurt. Um, that's all anybody wants to talk about, and it's, it's getting ridiculous out there. Texas, uh, University of Texas, I think it was Austin, removed a statue in the dead of night. Now, if you have to do something under the cover of darkness, Without any input from the community. Is it worth doing? I would say no. I'd say. Put this up to a vote. I think the leftists who are in charge of these institutions. These liberals. uh, They don't want to put it up to a vote. Because they're afraid the answer they're going to get. That so many people out there. Who happen to be white. Saying not wanting to. Not wanting to destroy. Confederate statues. Historical statues is somehow tantamount to racism. They reject the premise. But the basket of biased press. And the Democrat Party are there to say, oh, no, it absolutely does mean that. And many people are getting angrier. And angrier. And angrier. At the left. At the press. I get the sense that people are sick and tired of being called racists when they're not just to bludgeon them into giving in to a bunch of irrational simpering leftists whether they be from Antifa or Black Lives Matter or whatever terrorist group happens to be aggrieved today so um, Tucker Carlson speaking of unfair groups Tucker Carlson had this conversation with a U.S. Commission on Civil Rights member. Apparently, this so-called Commission on Civil Rights voted to condemn the violence in Charlottesville, but not all the violence. They, by omission, praised Antifa that perpetrated violence from an interview we did last week, individuals who were throwing urine in bottles, um, chemicals, acids, at people to silence their voices. They praised by omission Black Lives Matter that has called for the death of white people and death of white cops. And Tucker Carlson is saying, well, shouldn't we decry all violence? Hello? You mean like the president did? Shouldn't we decry all bigotry? Hello? You mean like the president did? And he got one of these commissioners who who voted for including all the violence, all of the hate, all of the bigotry, but he lost. Here's how the conversation went.
2: Meanwhile, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights was quick to condemn last week's violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, as they should have, of course, but the commission's statement only condemned the violence of one side, the white supremacists. The commission deliberately voted down a proposal, a statement that would have condemned violence from the other side, the left, Antifa. Why'd they do that? Peter Kirstenhouse serves on that commission. Why would the commission, if I'm understanding this correctly, this wasn't Just a thoughtless omission. This was an intentional decision not to condemn that violence. Why would they make that decision?
4: I think it's because they um, approve of a certain set of political positions and disapprove of others. And if you are perpetrating violence in furtherance of something they approve of, well, maybe they'll look the other way.
3: Have I not been saying this on this show since Charlottesville? That those on the political left, left left-wing extremists, the Democrat Party, liberals, those in the biased press have been willing to look the other way on racism and violence and hate so long as it serves their purpose. This also applies to Senator John McCain. This also applies to Governor Mitt Romney, who also excused racism, hate, and violence because it served their purpose to hit Donald Trump. And this is a bipartisan condemnation because, allegedly, Romney and McCain are Republicans. So, how do you guys explain it? The so-called U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Apparently, your civil rights are only sacrosanct, so long as you're taking up left-wing positions. So long as you're uh, perpetrating violence. It's okay to perpetrate violence on those who are, well, out of favor. Hey, who doesn't hate the KKK? Who doesn't hate white supremacists? Who doesn't hate Nazis? There should be equal vehemence and hate for Black Lives Matter. Equal vehemence and hate for the ideas espoused by Antifa. If that's the measuring stick. I, there are a couple of stories up on the, on the Blaze page where you had one of these Antifa members cursing up a storm saying i fight nazis so you can excuse all of my inhuman behavior i use violence to advance my politics so excuse me cuz i'm fighting nazis i brought up the uh, the very real life circumstance of the soviet union fighting the nazis the communists Killed millions. The Nazis killed millions. Hundreds of thousands. Each regime was equally deplorable. But because in America, we as a nation did this. And some leftists in this country uh, called uh, Joseph Stalin, Oh, Uncle Joe. The man was a communist dictator. Who slaughtered innocent people after World War II? Even during, we kind of look the other way. But again, is that is that acceptable? Is that somehow meritorious? Well, we need this left wing extremist right now who is hate filled, who's racist. But uh, so we'll look the other way. Is that the job of the so called U.S. Commission on Civil Rights? I'm asking. I believe their job is to condemn all racism, all hatred, and all bigotry in all of its forms. Whether you hate black people or whether you hate white people. Whether you hate Hispanics. Whether you hate Asians. Hate is hate, folks. And it all, it all ought to be condemned. If you've got to partake in violence to institute your politics, that means your politics aren't worth instituting meaning you can't get majority support and you have to do it by threats violence and intimidation it ain't worth it and people of goodwill should instinctively condemn you but we don't because we have a dishonest press and maybe an ignorant press we're tomorrow on the chris Salcedo show we're going to bring in some uh, some primers if you will on Black Lives Matter and Antifa.
4: They refused to adopt a very reasonable amendment to the resolution that all of us voted on, condemning the violence in Charlottesville. But the resolution was directed only at the Klan, the white nationalists, um, the Nazis, very appropriately so. That should have been condemned and we all voted uh, in condemnation. We also made note of the tragic death of Heather Heyer. But there's copious amount of reporting that shows that Antifa was also engaged in brutality. The New York Times reported a couple of media people were beat over the head by Antifa folks. They were using clubs, they were beating people. And so we made a very reasonable proposal, an anodyne proposal, if you will, that said while we support peaceful protest, there was violent protest and we condemned violence by all sides, including the so-called Antifa group. But the majority on the commission, 62, voted against it. Six to two
3: voted not to condemn the racists in Black Lives Matter, the violent anarchists in Antifa. Can you really call yourself the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights if you say, hey, it's okay to have certain people's civil rights violated so long as left-wing extremists are doing the violating? Is that Can you really how much credibility do you have as the US Commission on Civil Rights if it's subjective to your politics? It's a fair question. I think the president ought to be asking this, and I think a lot of members of Congress ought to be asking this. Because if the US Commission on Civil Rights can't recognize hate in all of its forms, it's not worth it's not worth even making the letterhead, folks. If they can't decry and marginalize all hatred, all bigotry, and all violence, they're really just, they're nothing but a paperweight. They're nothing but a, a toothless bear. They do this country no good. Why don't we fire everyone on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights and put people in there who say that all hate and bigotry, whether it's from the left or from white supremacists or from Black Lives Matter or from Nazis, all hate, all violence is wrong. I'll be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Salcedo is on The Blaze Radio Network
3: Hi, welcome back everybody let's, let's start digging into the Trump sound bites. He Actually pulled in this This whole Domestic disturbance Ushered in by the American left Into a speech about Afghanistan and Southeast Asia last night And I I was listening to him say it And I go, well you know what I, That's kind of an odd place to put it But he pulled it off Here's how it went.
1: The men and women of our military operate as one team with one shared mission and one shared sense of purpose. They transcend every line of race, ethnicity, creed and color to serve together and sacrifice together in absolutely perfect cohesion. That is because all service members are brothers and sisters They're all part of the same family. It's called the American family. They take the same oath, fight for the same flag, and live according to the same law.
3: Now, he's setting this up as the military should be an example for us all. The military should be a way forward for the American people to say, look, if if we're sending all races creeds ethnicities over to fight for our freedoms and our liberties can we not at least conduct ourselves in a manner in a manner that is consistent and honoring of their service
1: they are bound together by common purpose mutual trust and selfless devotion to our nation and to each other. The soldier understands what we, as a nation, too often forget. That a wound inflicted upon a single member of our community is a wound inflicted upon us all. When one part of America hurts, we all hurt. And when one citizen suffers an injustice, we all suffer together loyalty to our nation demands loyalty to one another love for america requires love for all of its people when we open our hearts to patriotism there is no room for prejudice no place for bigotry and no tolerance for hate
3: really divisive huh notice how he didn't specify white supremacists, notice how he didn't specify the KKK or Nazis or anything. that. All of it. All of Antifa's hate. All of Black Lives Matter's hate. All of these fringe groups who hate others for the color of their skin or their political ideology and who use violence to advance their political ideology. The president wasn't done.
1: The young men and women we send to fight our wars abroad deserve to return to a country that is not at war with itself at home. We cannot remain a force for peace in the world if we are not at peace with each other. As we send our bravest to defeat our enemies overseas, and we will always win, let us find the courage to heal our divisions within let us make a simple promise to the men and women we ask to fight in our name that when they return home from battle they will find a country that has renewed the sacred bonds of love and loyalty
5: the chris salcedo show part of generation blaze only on the blaze radio network
0: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair.
1: Vices.
2: I don't have to show you any stinking vices.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: All right, welcome everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm happy you have tuned in to the program. Hold on a minute. What is this talking about? Sorry, something just flashed across Twitter, folks. I have... Loved hearing a few clips on the Chris Salcedo show yesterday. The voice of Texas. Uh, what's he talking about? Oh! Ah, <laughs> Terrence Williams. Uh, I'm just reading a Twitter blast, folks. I guess, uh, see, I played Terrence Williams, who was a favorite here on the, uh, on the Salcedo show on The Blaze. I did it on the Houston show, too. And somebody just heard it <laughs> yesterday. And, well, uh, they loved it. Terrence Williams is a great guy. Uh, can I give you guys a preview of tomorrow really quick? We have uh, our buddy uh, Jack Buckby. He warned all of us that Antifa was coming. Like a prophet, right here on this, on this show, on The Blaze, he said to us, Antifa's coming, and voila, they're here. Uh, most of the press has not detailed for you that where these people come from. We will. And what they've been up to and what we can expect. It's going to get worse. These anti-American leftists, it will get worse. Their violence, their hatred, their bigotry. Yes, smash the white man march, folks. (laughs) Sorry, that screams bigotry to me. And then also our buddy Kevin Jackson from the black sphere will be here tomorrow, among other things, to clue us in on what he's found out about Black Lives Matter. And uh, you know what? I did this on the earlier show, so I guess I'll do it right now here on The Blaze. All of you folks who are white, who are not racists, this is the vast majority of Americans, The there are only 3,000, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, self-avowed KKK members in the country. So... All the rest of you white folks out there, do me a favor. I want you guys to stand up. If you're in your car, you're listening on on the smartphone apps, it's okay. No, I, I'm, I'm serious. All, all you guys who are white, stand up. Stand up. If you're, and if you're driving or whatever, just do this in your mind. Now, I want you guys to turn around once. Just right where you are, just pivot, just turn, just turn around. Complete 360. Do it once. Okay, now now do it again. Do it one one more time, third time. By the power invested in me as an an alleged so-called minority in the United States of America, I exonerate all of you from your past sins, from your your ancestors done hundreds of years ago. You are no longer, you can no longer be called by radical leftists, racists, for disagreeing with their left-wing ideology. I now give you absolution by the power vested in me by the American left wing as a so-called minority, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble for that, but that's, that's okay. There will be plenty of leftists who, who say that I don't have the power that only they, as minorities who happen to be of the left have that power to condemn you. I am using my power to exonerate you. Your debt has been paid. I'll say it again, your debt has been paid. I might get my buddy Kevin Jackson on here to uh, to also give you his dispensation <laughs> tomorrow. You know, I wish I could wave a hand like that and, and cure all you folks out there who have allergies too. I do, because you know what? I am an allergy sufferer. I pass it on to my kids. So uh, changing out our HVAC filters, it, it's a must unless we we start feeling really crummy if we don't. Problem is I always forget to do that. It's dad's job to remember to change out the filters and I always forget. That is until I found filterby.com. Now I just get to set it and forget it. Filterby.com, they have this automatic delivery system. And I never have to worry about remembering because the filters just show up to my front doorstep and this is Chris, bing, 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 bing. Time, time to change your filters with FilterBy.com." heading out of those box stores. It's a thing of the past, folks. No looking for the magic number on a messy store shelf. No reading reviews online, trying to figure out the difference between a Merv or an NPR. FilterBy.com. they show you the filter that is best suited for your house. And then they'll ship it to you within 24 hours. Oh, by the way, shipping is free. 24 hours and shipping is free. How about that? Oh, you business owners out there, no more taking up tons of storage space, keeping the filters on premises. No, when you have filterby.com at your back, all you got to do is say, I need X amount of, and you guys are changing a lot, 10, 15 at one time. We need this amount every every three months here at our doorstep and boom, you just freed up all that storage space. Uh, When was the last time you changed your HVAC filters, people? Experts say two to three months, that's when you got to do it. For you, heavy allergy sufferers, it's two months. For the rest of y'all, it's, it's three months. So get to FilterBuy.com. Get any size, no matter how weird it seems or outdated your system is. The best price is available for you. Shipped to you for free within 24 hours. It's a no-brainer to go with filterby.com. Made in the USA, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of the reasons why I love them so much. All right, Donald Trump. Yesterday, jumping out, talking about Afghanistan's strategy, and here is pillar number
1: one. I am here to talk about tonight that nearly 16 years after September 11th attacks, after the extraordinary sacrifice of blood and treasure, the American people are weary of war without victory. Nowhere is this more evident than with the war in Afghanistan. The longest war in American history, 17 years. I share the American people's frustration.
3: And he does. He was loathed to do this. He didn't want to do it. He campaigned against it. There's a reason why he changed his mind.
1: I also share their frustration over a foreign policy that has spent too much time energy money and most importantly lives trying to rebuild countries in our own image instead of pursuing our security interests above all other considerations that is why shortly after my inauguration i directed secretary of defense Mattis and my national security team to undertake a comprehensive review of all strategic options in Afghanistan and South Asia. My original instinct was to pull out, and historically, I like following my instincts. But all my life, I've heard that decisions are much different when you sit behind the desk in the Oval Office. In other words, when you're President of the United States.
3: So he had information that wasn't available to him on uh, while he was campaigning. Whoa, what is this? Hold on a minute. Sorry, this just flashed across my screen again. Breaking news. A Barcelona terror suspect has been freed by a judge. Did Nancy Pelosi get a job over in Barcelona? Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Uh, again, uh, pillar number one of his policy change in Afghanistan, our president.
1: So I studied Afghanistan in great detail and from every conceivable angle. After many meetings over many months, we held our final meeting last Friday at Camp David with my cabinet and generals to complete our strategy. I arrived at three fundamental conclusions about America's core interests in Afghanistan. First, Our nation must seek an honorable and enduring outcome worthy of the tremendous sacrifices that have been made, especially the sacrifices of lives. The men and women who serve our nation in combat deserve a plan for victory. They deserve the tools they need and the trust they have earned to fight and to win.
3: Pillars two and three on the way next, along with some other changes that donald trump is going to make and i think you can summarize his changes as this look at what barack obama did and how he screwed everything up and then do the exact opposite (laughs) i'll be right back
5: this is the chris salcedo show the blaze radio
2: network
0: You are listening to The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All
3: right, let's get on to pillar two. And this one is this one is key. This is where I got the idea that that President Trump was looking at all the screw ups from President Obama and
1: said, "Uh, let's not do that. Second, the consequences of a rapid exit are both predictable and unacceptable. 9-11, the worst terrorist attack in our history was planned and directed from Afghanistan because that country was ruled by a government that gave comfort and shelter to terrorists. A hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum that terrorists, including ISIS and Al-Qaeda, would instantly fill, just as happened before September 11th. And as we know, in 2011, America hastily and mistakenly withdrew from Iraq. As a result, our hard-won gains slipped back into the hands of terrorist enemies. Our soldiers watched as cities they had fought for and bled to liberate. And one were occupied by a terrorist group called ISIS. The vacuum we created by leaving too soon gave safe haven for ISIS to spread, to grow recruit and launch attacks we cannot repeat in afghanistan the mistake our leaders made in iraq
3: amen the reason why isis exists is because of resident obama's buffoonery the reason why isis exists and has killed so many and has caused turmoil in europe and beyond is because of barack hussein obama some say his naivete, others say his intent. Here's pillar number three.
1: Third and finally, I concluded that the security threats we face in Afghanistan and the broader region are immense. Today, 20 U.S. designated foreign terrorist organizations are active in Afghanistan and Pakistan, the highest concentration in any region. Anywhere in the world, for its part, Pakistan often gives safe haven to agents of chaos, violence, and terror. The threat is worse because Pakistan and India are two nuclear-armed states whose tense relations threaten to spiral into conflict. Now, Donald
3: Trump, in this speech, put Pakistan on notice. He, or President Obama would call it Pakistan. (laughs) (laughs) And he warmed up to India. And there was a couple of reasons for this. We'll probably talk more about that with, with Colonel Tony Schaefer coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But there were many geopolitical objectives in this change. Now, Trump wanted to send a message too to the terrorists and also basically saying we're going to be abandoning this, this strategy, if you can even call it that, of telling our enemies what we're up to. Uh, here he is talking to the terrorist. Director.
1: Terrorists who slaughter innocent people will find no glory in this life or the next. They are nothing but thugs and criminals and predators and, that's right, losers. Working alongside our allies, we will break their will, dry up their recruitment, keep them from crossing our borders, and yes, we will defeat them, and we will defeat them handily. In Afghanistan and Pakistan, America's interests are clear. We must stop the resurgence of safe havens that enable terrorists to threaten America. And we must prevent nuclear weapons and materials from coming into the hands of terrorists and being used against us or anywhere in the world.
3: All right. So he's laying out the reason why Afghanistan is important to Americans. Because of its proximity to India and Pakistan, because those two nuclear powers, if, if terrorists are able to destabilize and find a home in Afghanistan, it won't be long till they're exporting terror to the two nuclear powers, India and Pakistan. And in Pakistan, they don't have very far to go, meaning it's getting finding people who are ideologically of the same mindset to get those nuclear weapons and we all know the danger of radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists with nuclear weapons. Uh, Trump then officially abandons the Obama policy of telling our enemies what we're doing.
1: But to prosecute this war we will learn from history as a result of our comprehensive review American strategy in Afghanistan and South Asia will change dramatically in the following ways. A core pillar of our new strategy is a shift from a time-based approach to one based on conditions. I've said it many times how counterproductive it is for the United States to announce in advance the dates we intend to begin or end military options. We will not talk about numbers of troops or our plans for further military activities. Conditions on the ground, not arbitrary timetables, will guide our strategy from now on. America's enemies must never know our plans or believe they can wait us out. I will not say when we are going to attack, but attack we will.
3: Yeah, I mean, President Obama gave a speech about increasing it was the only time I can remember supporting Barack Obama in his administration it was early in his administration it was the only time I could ever remember supporting him and then the very it was the very same speech of the very next day if memory serves he said oh yeah and by the way we're going to pull out on this date <laughs> completely undermining everything he was putting troops in harm's way and and again to me, it signaled he really didn't give a damn about who he was sending into harm's way.
1: So uh, here's Trump putting Pakistan on notice. Listen. We can no longer be silent about Pakistan's safe havens for terrorist organizations, the Taliban, and other groups that pose a threat to the region and beyond. Pakistan has much to gain from partnering with our effort in Afghanistan. It has much to lose by continuing to harbor criminals and terrorists
3: boom and then he signals a growing bond that he wants to see not only militarily but also economically with india
1: another critical part of the south asia strategy for america is to further develop its strategic partnership with india the world's largest democracy and a key security and economic partner of the united states
3: now This idea, remember I, I think I said this in this show, that President Obama tied the hands of our military. Um, You guys remember Ben Rhodes? Ben Rhodes was the, believe it or not, the Deputy National Security Advisor. The man had a degree in creative writing, and he was the Deputy National Security Advisor, and this little puke or others like him were the ones on the phones to our generals and micromanaging our military efforts so they wouldn't interfere with politics back home trump says that ends now
1: the brave defenders of the american people will have the necessary tools and rules of engagement to make this strategy work and work effectively and work quickly i have already lifted restrictions the previous administration placed on our warfighters that prevented the secretary of defense and our commanders in the field from fully and swiftly waging battle against the enemy micromanagement from washington dc does not win battles there
3: yeah and that micromanagement was the call of the day during the last administration up next colonel tony schaefer will ask him about what he thought about trump's speech coming up the chris salcedo show on the blaze radio network 888-900-3393.
5: The Chris Salcedo Show.
3: On the Blaze Radio Network.
0: a little latin flair with chris salcedo on the blaze radio network
1: we are a partner and a friend but we will not dictate to the afghan people how to live or how to govern their own complex society we are not nation building again we are killing terrorists that might be the trump doctrine folks. We're not to
3: nation-build. We're there to kill terrorists. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, CIA-trained, former senior intelligence officer, and New York Times best-selling author. His latest book, The Last Line, he's a senior fellow with both the London Center for Policy Research and the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. Colonel, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, Chris,
6: thanks for having me. Good to be on.
3: Uh, What do you you think? Uh, Trump doctrine right there? I think it's close. Uh, There's two things that were said that
6: were eminently important. You've already identified one. The idea here is that look, uh, we're there to take care of our business, not anyone else's. And sometimes our interests are in concert with uh, other nations, sometimes they're not. And, uh, Chris, you and I have talked about this several times, both on air and off air. Look, we wanna, I was there to witness uh, this all going off the rails back in 2003. My book, uh, Dark Heart, is about that, where uh, Lieutenant General Barno, the, uh, David Barno, the commander then there then, decided, oh, we're, gonna, we're, we're done with killing terrorists. It's time for us to nation build which was completely stupid. And obviously that is why we've seen the completely feckless and uh, bad results over the past 15 years. So I think the president's correct in his assessment. And the second point, which he was very clear on, was that we're going to hold hold other people accountable. And this uh, is not sitting well with the left already because they're defending Pakistan, uh, the the country who we have spent uh, on, on average $7 billion a year for us to help them fund the Taliban to come back at us. So it's time that we actually do go after those folks. And look, I've seen a lot of pushback from Trump supporters on the whole idea that Trump said he's, you know, President Trump's going to leave. You know, I I don't think we want to see another Iraq where the moment you leave, uh, you see terrorist organizations such as ISIS coming in to fill that vacuum. So I do understand there's a change in President Trump's philosophy on this but i think it's a necessary one based on uh, his understanding better the facts on the ground
3: just a slight correction for you colonel uh, uh resident obama told us it was pronounced pakistan uh whatever uh yeah dro- drove me nuts when he would do that yeah. because it, look I, and i think you're right what what the president did last night is he he cranked up a lot of pressure on the radicalized Islamic fundamentalist sympathizers inside That's of Pakistan, right. and basically said, we're going we're gonna to snuggle up to India, uh, their mortal enemy. Right. And th- th- this was not only a message to what was going on inside of Pakistan, it was also a, a message to the Chinese, yes? Well, Absolutely. Look, the Indians
6: are now a competitor of China, not Pakistan. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Pakistan and India developmentally started off together kind of in the 40s and 50s. But India grew up and moved on. Pakistan hasn't. Pakistan, as you point out, Chris, remains kind of a hotbed of radicalization. Uh, and so India is now actually part of our economy. We have a number of things going on. If you if you call for computer support, half the time you end up in, in India. And, and frankly, the Indians now are challenging the Chinese regarding the, the domination of China for markets and stuff like that. So this was a, a very well, a very deft-played move by the president. I think he, he hit both uh, both uh, nails with one hammer.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, former uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, CIA-trained and a former senior intelligence officer and a New York Times best-selling author, our guest right now, folks. One of your compatriots uh, was on Fox yesterday, former uh, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Waltz. And he said yeah, uh, he said this about what america's role in afghanistan will be in the future i think this is going to look You know, a lot like things have looked in Colombia, where we've had soldiers for 25 years helping the Colombian army fight the FARC guerrillas and keep that from becoming a narco state. We've had 30,000 soldiers in Korea for almost 70 years. You know, this is going to be a long term effort, unfortunately. Uh, And in terms of troop numbers, you know, we've we've had about 15,000 except for that surge period. And I think we're going to see that, you know, into the into the foreseeable future. Is this going to be a. A long-term commitment for the United States to make sure that the undesirable elements that could threaten us and our allies don't come back.
6: Absolutely. Let's hit this in two parts. First, when I was there in 03 we were winning, and our troop strength, uh, Chris, was 11,000. Uh, so uh, the answer has always been it's it's not about General tony as Anyone said his former commander, Central Command, who's by the way a Democrat, said it's it's never been about troop numbers. He's actually gone against his own party on this. It's about what you tell the troops to do, and, and Michael is completely correct. We have been in a number of locations, such as Colombia, such as the Philippines. We've never really left the Philippines. We've always been engaged in some level of, of, of supporting the indigenous forces against, again, what President Trump said, uh, uh, it, it targets of mutual interest. Uh, I don't see how this is any different from any other country we've, we've been supporting. We've never left Japan. We've never left Germany. We've never left Korea. And uh, while I think we do need to do things to adjust in, in Korea because of the North Korean issue, uh, clearly I think it's in our interest to partner with those who wish to be the, you know, be our partner. And look, NATO. We, we have no idea of leaving NATO, really. NATO is a very uh, important partnership. So uh, I've never understood President Obama and, frankly, President Bush before him. The idea that we need to leave Iraq or leave Afghanistan, it's not in our nature to abandon those completely who are trying to work with us. And I think it would be, as we saw in Iraq, a bad idea, a bad move to leave Afghanistan and leave it to to someone
3: else to dominate. If I was going to summarize the entire policy speech last night, which was filled with a lot of golden nuggets, it was this. It was Donald Trump being frank with the American people saying, look, I campaigned on this, but once I got behind the desk and I got all the information, I came to a different conclusion. And he seemed to set up his policy centered around the the lessons learned from President Obama's screw ups, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the we will win mantra and we will not allow know nothing creative writing majors posing as deputy national security advisors to tell our generals on the battlefield what to do. Those right. who know the military will be allowed to make the decisions according to President Trump. And that's in a complete about face from uh, an administration, the Obama administration that ran foreign policy through a political lens always.
6: Oh, always. And again, uh, Chris, I know for a fact that the, in some cases you're talking about uh, mortar, you know, people firing mortars, having to call back to the White House for permission. Totally insane and frankly unacceptable. And again, I go back to my experience in Afghanistan. We were doing very well. We were beating the Taliban. We were effectively dealing with the Pakistanis in 2002, 2003 by the fact that we were doing what was militarily necessary. And, and frankly, we weren't trying to force the Afghans to pick uh, a particular government. And by the way, to that point, uh, President Trump has said it's not our job to build nations. And I frankly don't care what government is in charge in Afghanistan. I don't care if we have five different governments, as long as those governments all independently or uniformly uh, will not accept any support for terror. Uh, to, to not allow for terrorist camps to set up. So, you know, Afghanistan is a land of warlords. And I, I don't care if we partner with every individual warlord, who, you know, may not be the guy the, the <laughs> font of democracy, but are willing to protect our interests. That's it.
3: Retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, everybody. CIA trained and an author, The Last Line, uh, his latest book, Senior Fellow with both the London Center for Policy Research and the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. Sir, it's always a pleasure talking with you here on the Salcedo Show. Sure. Thanks, Chris. All right, uh, before we get to break, one more element I wanted to add in here. President Donald Trump said, will not undertake this change in strategy alone. He will be asking, and I would imagine he's already gotten commitments, other nations to step up and mirror what we're going to be doing.
1: We will ask our NATO allies and global partners to support our new strategy with additional troop and funding increases in line with our own. We are confident they will. Since taking office, I have made clear that our allies and partners must contribute much more money to our collective defense, and they have done so.
3: So there you go. Uh, telephone number you want to reach out, folks. 888 933 900 3393 Back in a minute with an NFL update on the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze.
0: He is a liberty-loving Latino conservative. Need we say more? The Chris Salcedo Show. Only on The Blaze Radio Network.
5: The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen, dial, speak. 888-900-3393.
3: All right, welcome back, folks. Fascinating article in Bloomberg Politics. This is, uh, and I was surprised it was being written. Jerry Smith is the author. Broadcast news misses ratings bonanza with too little Trump. Now, just on the headline by itself, I was... I was reminded that NBC, ABC and CBS inundated us with resident Obama. I mean it was it was wall to wall resident Obama during I'm sure what they thought was some of the best times in American history. America's decline, terrorism on the rise, taxes rising, government in everybody's business. I'm sure ABC, NBC and CBS were elated with this time period. Oh by the way, not to mention News under attack. The Associated Press having their phone records seized. And uh, James Rosen and James Risen being uh, being targeted as co-conspirators for reporting and doing their job. ABC, NBC, and CBS couldn't get enough of this crap. So now they don't like Donald Trump and they don't want to plug any of the positives that he's doing. So. The Bloomberg article says, uh, well, let me just read some of this. TV audiences can't get enough news coverage of Donald Trump. Reporting on pretty much anything else is ratings poison. Cable networks have figured out how to successfully capitalize on Trump's outrageous antics. This is evidently not a news article. But viewership for NBC, ABC, and CBS newscasts have declined as much as 14% this year. Among the coveted younger viewers, Broadcaster's strategy of offering a wider range of stories from human interest. By the way, when they say human interest, folks, it's fluff pieces. They don't make a tinker's damn bit of difference in your life. To health and local crime is falling flat with some viewers who have mitigated, who have migrated, I should say, to cable news for coverage of the White House drama in recent cable news channel in recent years rather cable news channels have narrowed their scopes to focus on politics and that's paying off in the ratings CNN's the situation room with Wolf Blitzer which by the way is not a news program folks it's an it's an opinion show it's Wolf Blitzer's opinion show and Fox News special report with Brett Baer, which is a news show both air during the same hour as broadcast news on the east coast they are up 36 and 24% Among younger viewers, MSNBS beat Fox News uh, for the first time in the network's history, August 16th. So uh, I guess the antiquated press and their bias and their efforts to marginalize this president is uh, yielding predictable results. Congratulations, NBC, ABC and CBS. Keep it up. And then there's this story. Uh, Cleveland Browns were caught on tape kneeling for the national anthem. It is the largest such kneel down, I suppose, to date on these protests. Uh, Seattle Seahawks star Michael Bennett says, I will protest the anthem until we're equal. Okay, we told you guys already about the surveys that are out there. Number one reason cited by NFL fans for tuning out last season, the number one reason was these stupid protests. 26%. That was the top reason given for the tune out. And I'm not telling you all what to do, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I see... And you know what? To, to Fox, to CBS, and to ESPN, I see any of these protests on my screen, I'm turning the damn game off. They have the right to do whatever the heck they want, and I have the, the right to go find something else to watch. So to all the sponsors out there who think this is a great thing, go for it to the, NF, the National Football League who seems resistant on clamping down on these millionaire players who want to thumb their nose at the United States of America, our flag, our anthem, and our country. I'll kindly say, screw you. You highlight this, I'm gone. I can't speak for my audience. I don't do bo- boycotts, and I'm not even calling for a boycott. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. Last season, I watched one game on ESPN. And it was the one game where they were highlighting this crap. And I said, that's enough for me. And you know what? Oddly enough, I found something else to occupy my time. You know who was thrilled? Mrs. Salcedo was thrilled that on Monday nights, I wasn't watching a football game. So if Sundays and Thursdays This is what I'm treated to. Crap like this, I don't have to watch. To the National Football League, I'm saying, I don't have to watch. As a matter of fact, no American has to watch. Because I love my country. Unlike these reprobates who apparently don't. All right, that's going to do it for the Chris Salcedo Show, folks. Remember, a society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by its out-of-control government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people. Have a great day, everybody. Back tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern.
0: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show.
5: Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.